Welcome to the Urantia Radio Podcast. I'm Jim Watkins, and thank you again for joining me on this edition of the program. I want to let you know that we are um, we're recording this on May 20th, and the first thing I have to get to is the fact that on May 18th, it was Ascension Day. For those who are uh, familiar with the uh, Urantia book, and for those who are familiar with Scripture, uh, that is the day that Jesus left, uh, made his final appearance, and moved on and ascended on high to the, uh, what is it, the right hand of the Father. And uh, he became a master, sovereign, creator, only begotten, um, forever established in authority, son of the living Father. And that was a pretty big, big deal. And not only was it a big deal, but um, all over the universe, they continue to celebrate this event. And it just happened a few days ago. So it's very cool. And the interesting thing about it is that it also signified an eternal partnership between the divine minister and the creator's son. And... That in itself is a spectacular event because it's like getting married. It really is. It's it, consummating their relationship forever, pledging eternal allegiance to each other. And um, all of that transpired on the Jubilee of Jubilees, uh, a one-time ever event. The uh, Urantia book writers tell us the Jubilees are events that only ever happen once. They don't happen more than once in a person's living experience. So, for example, for us, a jubilee might be when the thought adjuster or the Spirit of God entered our consciousness for the first time upon our first moral decision. And then, of course, you have um, a jubilee of when you first awake on the resurrection worlds, when you actually resurrect for the very first time from being a human being uh, to your new immortal estate, as Paul the Apostle uh, tells us. This is very interesting, isn't it? And um, and think about the fact that, you know, we mostly were unawares of this event, us humans here. Uh, you know, there are still those members of the Catholic Church, Christian Church, that celebrate Ascension Day but they celebrated for the passages as they're reflected in Scripture, which is when Jesus finally left our world and then the Spirit, of, the Spirit of Truth came. And I got to thinking about this because I wonder if the Spirit of Truth is really, I'm not sure this is, is spelled out specifically, and I'll probably have to do a little bit of research, or maybe you can tell me if you know the answer to this, but was the Spirit of Truth the result of the pledge of equality between the Creator's Son and the Divine Minister. The Spirit of Truth is that Spirit of Truth discernment that we all possess, thanks because of Jesus' Spirit, the Son of God's Spirit. But we also know that the Divine Minister, who is the little offspring, who is the literal offspring of the second person of deity, or the third person of deity, rather, the God, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, 
So the divine minister represents and oversees all of the spiritual activity. Her domain is the seraphim and the cherubim and the midwayers and the the spirits of God, the spirit helpers of God. That is, That falls under the domain of the spirit, the eternal spirit, the universal mind. And the sons of God are the Melchizedeks, the Adams, uh, the the uh, the Andex, and the Verondadex sons who who reign on high in the next succession of worlds that we we inhabit as we continue our spiritual course. So these are all sons who are more like governors. They they are the administrators. You know they take care of all of the uh, the uh, I, I guess you could say the macro. You know, like the sons control the macro of life, and the the divine spirits uh, are more specific, micro, dealing individually with some of the the mortals and and with each other as they help each other. So these two co-creative parents of our universe, Christ and the Holy Spirit. Did they combine and create the spirit of truth on the day of Pentecost? That, that's worth pondering. And so I'll read to you from paper 33, just to give you a, a bigger scope of what I'm discussing here, where it talks about this relationship between the Son and the Spirit. And from that paper, the Son functions as a father in his local universe. The Spirit as mortal creatures would understand, enacts the role of a mother, always assisting the Son and, and being everlastingly indispensable to the administration of the universe. In the face of insurrection, only the Son and his associated sons can function as deliverers. An insurrection uh, illustrated by Lucifer's rebellion. Never can the Spirit undertake to contest rebellion or defend authority, but ever does the Spirit sustain the Son in all of everything he may be required to experience in his efforts to stabilize government and uphold authority on worlds tainted with evil or dominated by sin. Only a son can retrieve the work of their joint creation, but no son could hope for final success without the incessant cooperation of the divine minister and her vast assemblage of spirit helpers, the daughters of God, who so faithfully and valiantly struggle for the welfare of mortal men and the glory of their divine parents. And here's where it gets interesting, because as mentioned just a few days ago, on May 18th, when this event occurred, when Jesus bid final farewell to his apostles, uh, he says, or it writes, Upon the completion of the Creator's Son's seventh and final creature bestowal, the uncertainties of periodic isolation terminate for the divine minister. And the Son's universal helper becomes forever settled in surety and control. It is the enthronement of the Creator's Son as a master son at the Jubilee of Jubilees that the universe spirit, before the assembled host, first make public and universal acknowledgement of the subordination to the Son, pledging fidelity and obedience. This event occurred in Nebadon, the name of our local universe, at the time of Michael's return to Salvington after his Urantia bestowal. 
So Jesus returning to his home world, Salvington, the home world of his creation, to which we belong, after his bestowal on earth. Never before this momentous occasion did the universe spirit acknowledge subordination to the universe son, and not until after this voluntary relinquishment of power and authority by the spirit could it be truthfully proclaimed of the son that, quote, all power in heaven and on earth has been committed to his hand. So that would be the full significance of that scriptural quote what that actually meant in the universal scheme of things when Jesus finished his career here and went back to his his home to resume his role as the uh, sovereign son of the living father of our creation. Paper 33 and then section 6, section 3 and then paragraph 6. After this pledge of subordination by the creative mother spirit, Michael of Nebadon, nobly acknowledged his eternal dependence on his spirit companion, constituting the spirit co-ruler of his universe domains and requiring all their creatures to pledge themselves to lo- in loyalty to the spirit as they had to the sun. And there issued and went forth the final proclamation of equality. Though he was the sovereign of this local universe, the sun published to the worlds the fact of the Spirit's equality with him in all endowments of personality and attributes of divine character. And this becomes the transcendent pattern for the family organization and government of even the lowly creatures of the worlds of space. This is in truth, indeed and in truth, the high ideal of the family and the human institution of voluntary marriage. The Son and the Spirit now preside over the universe, much as a father and mother watch over and minister to their family of sons and daughters. It is not altogether out of place to refer to the universe Spirit as the creative companion of the Creator Son, and to regard the creatures of the realms as their sons and daughters, a grand and glorious family, but one of untold responsibilities and endless watch care. And then it concludes with the Son initiates the creation of certain of the universe children while the Spirit is solely responsible for bringing into existence the numerous orders of Spirit personalities who minister and serve under the direction and guidance of this self-same Mother Spirit. And the creation of other types of universe personalities, both the Son and the Spirit, function together. And in no creative act does the one do aught without the counsel and approval of the other. It still doesn't answer my question, though, my question about the spirit of truth. So we'll have to maybe do a little digging, and maybe I can get an answer to that in a future podcast. I'm looking at myself, reflections of my mind. It's just the kind of day to leave myself behind. So gently swaying through the fairy land of love. If you would just come with me, I'll see the
So I do want to uh, remind you again that we are uh, on a project to raise money uh, for an organization that is being run by some wonderful people. Jerry Johnson in Hawaii is part of a group that heads freeschools.org. And freeschools.org is a group of people who have set up education workshops in places like India, in rural areas, teaching young girls to read so that they can be literate. And in doing so, this gives these young girls an opportunity to get out of their generational poverty and give them a real opportunity to do something other than live in a poor village and have children um, and suffer the, the, uh, the pangs of poverty and constant childbearing and rough times. So um, I can't think of a better way to spend my time. So uh, these listens, these downloads do generate a little bit of money, and that money is all going to be donated to freeschools.org. And uh, this is going to continue throughout 20, uh, 2021, well, this year, 21, not, whatever, it's 2021. <laughs> it's kind of funny to say that. But um, every click is, you know, 15 cents, so they add up, and over time, and when it's all said and done, at the end of the year, we'll write that check, whatever the amount is, and we'll give it to Jerry Johnson and her team, sort of our way of saying thank you on behalf of the Urantia community. And, of course, I always like to hear from you. Our email address is urantiabookradio at gmail.com. Urantiabookradio at gmail.com. So what do you think of the, the UFOs and all of that talk, all of that discussion? Well, I've got some insight on that. Yeah, so the I guess the United States government has decided after so many years they're finally going to be forced to release, I think it was Trump, that decided that the public had a right to know whatever it is that the United States government was either concealing or working on. And everybody has got these interesting perspectives on what they think. They've been showing these real grainy infrared Navy videos. You probably have seen them on TV. And, you know, people speculate, well, maybe they're from China. I, I think it's more likely they might be drones but that's just me. Um, but I do recall reading, and this may be it, and I don't think that humanity will ever make this connection, but what if the things that these uh, people are seeing, these UFOs, are in fact you know, spiritual beings that are moving through space? And every once in a while, it's unavoidable that they get picked up or captured on film. So I want to read to you just some uh, things, how the Urantia book describes these uh, spiritual beings. And this is from paper 39. And there are certain angels that do, in fact, their job is to, well, I'll just read it. And uh, you tell me if this sounds like something that maybe could explain some of these, what the United States government calls UAPs. And again, this is from paper uh, 39 on seraphic personalities. These transit personalities are so organized that they can simultaneously utilize all three of the universe's distributed lines of energy, each having a clear space velocity, uh, velocity of 186,280 miles per second, which, by the way, 
is just slightly lower than what we think of as the speed of light. These transporters are thus able to superimpose velocity of energy upon velocity of power until they attain an average speed on your long journeys varying anywhere from 550,000 to almost 560,000 of your miles per second. So what would that be? Uh, twice the speed of light? So there are spiritual beings who can, who can travel that quickly when they're going through space. And they add the velocity is affected by the mass and proximity of neighboring matter and by the strength and direction of the nearby main circuits of universe power. See, there's a lot of power and energy in the universe that we're not aware of. They're not telling us exactly what it is, but they tell us that it exists. And much like we get on freeways and we communicate through lines of, of transmission, they're able to travel through space at unheard of speeds because they're not made of material mass. These are spiritual personalities. These are personalities that exist within a spiritual energy construct. It's real, but it's, it's not just, it's not made of, you know, whatever we're made of. So they write, there are numerous types of beings similar to the seraphim who are able to traverse space and also who are able to transport other beings who have been properly prepared. From paper 39, we read about the transporters. And this is what I think might be maybe what some of what is being seen by our government spies as they look for these UAPs. It writes, uh, the planetary transporters serve the individual worlds. The majority of inseraphimed beings brought to this planet are in transit. They merely stop over. They are in custody of their own special seraphic transporters. But there are a large number of such seraphims stationed on our world. These are the transport personalities operating from the local planets, as from, say, our world or Jerusalem. So there are transport transporters. These are spiritual beings whose job it is to give you a ride, literally move you from planet to planet. And there are a large number of them here. Paper 39, uh, paragraph 5, uh, section 13. When celestial beings are to be enseraphimed from transfer, from one world to another, they are brought to the headquarters world of the sphere and after due registry are inducted into the transit sleep. Meanwhile, the transport seraphim moves into a horizontal position immediately above the universe energy pole of the planet. While the energy shields are wide open, the sleeping personality is skillfully deposited by the officiating seraphic assistants directly on top of the transport angel. Then both the upper and lower pairs of shields are carefully closed and adjusted. To outward appearances or appearance, the seraphim grows pointed in both extremities and becomes so enshrouded in a queer light of amber hue. A queer light of amber hue that very soon it is impossible to distinguish the enseraphimed personality. So it's almost like they get into this tube and then it seals shut and then there's some sort of energy that grows. Pretty fascinating. And then uh, we'll conclude with this. 
now the transport dispatcher of the realm, summons the auxiliary batteries of the living energy transmitters, usually 1,000 in number, as he announces the destination of the transport. He reaches out and touches the near point of the seraphic carriage, which shoots forward with lightning-like speed, leaving a trail of celestial luminosity as far as the planetary atmospheric investment extends. In less than ten minutes, the marvelous spectacle will be lost, even to reinforced seraphic vision. So they're, they're explaining how beings of a celestial type come to and fro on our world. And so my speculation, based on what I've seen uh, on TV of, of recent, is maybe not UFOs at all, but in seraphim personalities coming and going at great speed. Just uh, food for thought on that subject. And, you know, and then, of course, is the follow-up question, you know, how would humanity deal with that? Everybody seems to be okay with this notion that, you know, there's life. Even my own wife said to me, she goes, it would be preposterous to think that it would be preposterous to believe that we're the only species. And, of course, you know, you and I know the truth behind that. Uh, the world is ready for some level of revelation when it comes to discovering life on another world. We're ready for that, I think. At least, you know, people that have grown up watching shows like Star Trek and Star Wars, and you know, we're used to the idea. We're comfortable with it. Thank God for George Lucas, right? Thank God for Steven Spielberg. Thank God for Gene Roddenberry, uh, who someone says and many believe was a Urantia book reader, though never confirmed. Because Star Trek really laid the foundation for us uh, as a culture accepting this notion that we are not alone. But it's a big jump from discovering life on another world and discovering that there is life all around us in a form that we don't quite understand and we don't quite see. And that would be the spiritual life, the life that exists beyond our vision. And so when you hear about seraphim that are coming and going from our world, that, that's a big jump for a lot of people. That actually, I don't know if we'd be quite prepared for that. We might need another TV show that is all about life in the spiritual world, and maybe it'll become popular one day. Who knows? Um, but I don't think we're quite there yet. And that's part and parcel why the Orangia book is uh, is here, is to get us used to that idea. I, I'm, I'm comfortable now, more comfortable than I used to be, with the notion that we are surrounded by and administered to by celestial forces. And I might be in the minority on that one, but you know, how is that any more strange or any different from people who believe in guardian angels, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you either believe that the universe is administered to and is logical uh, and, and, and not haphazard, or you believe that the universe is haphazard or magical and uh, inconsequential without a specific meaning or purpose. So, great food for thought this time up, and I appreciate you joining me. And again, share this podcast. It's all about sharing and discussing the revelation. 
There's some incredible things going on within the fellowship that I'll share in the weeks ahead with you. All kinds of great events. Go on the UrantiaRadio.net website and I can connect you with all the different organizations or you can go on the uh, UrantiaBook.org website or the Urantia.org website or TruthBook.com and those are just great places to go for great resources and reaching out and getting to know members of the Urantia Book community. Until next time, thanks again for joining me on the Urantia Radio Podcast. Got my ticket to heaven, everlasting life. I got a ride.